welcome to episode two of Airship Travelogues. We're very excited that you have taken an interest in downloading Nintendo Joe's new podcast, co-hosted by I'm Noah, and then also here is Mark. It puts the lotion in the basket or it gets the hose. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could say that with like a golem voice. Oh no, I won't even try, sorry. Oh, dang it. That's <laughs> anticlimactic. And what's cool about Airship, Airship Travelogs is we always have a cool special guest host in this in every episode. And this week, we would like to welcome Andre Seegers. Hi there. I have nothing clever to say. <laughs> now, if you are a longtime ancient Nintendojo reader, <laughs> particularly if you paid attention to Game Boy Dojo when that was around, you may remember Andre I barely remember Game Boy Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's where you got your start in the in the Nintendojo family is under Aaron Steinfeld on Game Boy Dojo. That's right. Yeah, that, that was my start in the whole uh, gaming editorial side. So I was like 14, 15 when I started, I believe. So. <laughs> and it was a kick butt, kick butt site. You guys did a really good job. Uh, yeah, it. I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. So, and, and that actually... Something that doesn't happen a lot is in, in this world of video game fan them is that a lot of people go on to have very ordinary jobs. Well, well you know, marine biology isn't ordinary or, or not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. It's something that one of our previous writer, writers has done. And But there's also those who actually go on into some facet of the video game industry. And Andre is one such example in terms of the media side. Yeah, um, well, you know, after writing for, uh, you know, several smaller sites for a while, um, I worked at Nintendo for a couple years or for a year as a uh, customer service representative, and I've got some stories from there, but uh, (laughs) um, then I moved on to IGN for a couple years working uh, in their guides department. Then I was hired by GameSpot, uh, where I did basically the same thing, so. And then uh, now you're my game explain. That's right, and I finally uh, started up uh, my own website with a uh, with a few friends of mine, and been working on it ever since. You know, which is GameExplained.com, where we basically produce uh, video walkthroughs of video games, but we also do you new know, reviews and previews as well. So, and I hear you do this really cool feature called All Star Roundtable. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I forget the uh, the person who actually does that for us, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> those are a lot of fun. So we get you know a bunch of industry veterans in there, and uh, just kind of hash it out. So, yeah, that should be a regular feature. We definitely should do that more often. Yeah, I'm down. I agree. <laughs> no, cool. you're recruited officially. Pardon? You're officially recruited to be in the next uh, roundtable we do at the site. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the invitation. <laughs> Something for our listeners to look forward to. And speaking of listeners, if you want to leave any feedback on this particular episode or send a mes- uh, message over to Andre. You can send it into airship at nintendojo.com if you prefer email medium, or you can just leave us a comment over on the website. Last week, people left a couple of people left some comments of, of guest host requests, and we will see what we can do. We've got a list of names that Mark has been carefully collating and, and trying to figure out, so we are taking all of your feedback into account. But also, let us know what you think about what we're actually talking about, which this week we are going to be talking about gameplay concepts. Mark, would you like to elaborate? There was a podcast that you guys did over at Game Explain, Andre. I can't remember if it was you or Micah or someone. Mm-hmm. You were talking about um, 
what you want to see with the 3DS with the camera and the alternate reality games That's where you, um had a, like a Mario level that would unfold in front of you and then you would actually control the camera by moving the 3DS around. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I thought was such an incredibly cool idea. And of course, I sincerely doubt that Nintendo would ever do that. But what do you think are the, the odds of something like that happening, even just as like a little gimmick pack in software thing with the Wii U? Uh, sorry, with the Wii U or with the 3DS? With the Wii U specifically, but hey, 3DS too. Um, well, if we're talking about augmented reality, uh, I think that only really work on the the 3DS with that. Are you talking about that, that example specifically, the Mario one, or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, well, for the 3DS, I, I had high hopes that Nintendo might explore that, uh, the avenue a little bit. But after E3, those hopes were both, like, were both dashed as well as kind of uh, invigorated by the you know announcement of the new Mario game, which is awesome. Uh, unfortunately, it's not really doing anything particularly new, and I really was hoping they would take advantage of the uh, the outer facing camera for AR possibilities, where you actually control the camera as you're like having Mario running around on your kitchen table or something in this you know virtual world that's unfolding in the in the real room. So that would be so cool. That that really would. Yeah, I think it'd be I think it'd be awesome. Um, I hope they I hope they do something. So I don't know if they will at this point, but I I don't think they are at the I don't think they are from what we've seen. So I wonder if that would be something probably more uh, natural, if you will, for like a, a Wii U Wear game, some kind of downloadable thing. Yeah, well, well, the problem with the with doing on the Wii U is it doesn't. I don't think it actually has the capabilities to do that because it doesn't have the outer facing camera. Yeah, it oh, only has I, the inward facing. Oh, of course. See, I'm that's the dumbass I am. For some reason, I thought I had cameras <laughs> everywhere. No, well, I wish it. It makes it seem like that because when you saw the concept video, it shows them you know holding the controller up facing towards the television, and you're like thinking, well, that can only happen with an outward facing camera. But I think they're just using the tilt and the. Uh, this Wii remote like sensors inside the controller to figure all that out. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure there's, they could do something, you know, some AR type things for the for the Wii U, but it wouldn't quite be what I was what I had in mind for the uh, for the 3DS. And I think one problem with the 3DS, perhaps, is just based on what I've seen of the limited AR usage we've seen for the 3DS. It seems like it's really taxing on the hardware, and I'm not sure if it's actually up to the task for rendering like a whole a whole Mario world. Um, mm. For, for such an experience, so which if that's the, the case, I'm sorry, go on. Do you think the PS Vita is going to be better suited towards that? Based on what they've shown, and I, I would say so. Um, what they've shown has been very fluid, whereas Nintendo's AR, even the simple tech demos, have been very choppy and clearly taxing the hardware. So I think the Vita actually may be the system to offer that kind of a gameplay experience. Hmm. What about some kind of connectivity between the 3DS and the Wii U? Or do you think the whole GameCube, um, Game Boy Advance, E3 really scared Nintendo away from that whole topic? I don't know if they would do that because that's basically what they're doing now with the controller. The only thing I could see them taking advantage of with the 3DS is using it for like for Street Pass, where let's say you have Animal Crossing on the Wii U. Um, you can actually take like your villager with you out into the real world or something um, by carrying him on your 3DS. I think using a 3DS for anything else would be almost redundant considering they're bundling in the controller, which is basically a portable system with, with the system itself. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if there's really much they could do besides making use of the 3D screen, which 
I don't know. It doesn't strike me as something Nintendo would really do. So I actually agree with you, but there's still this this nagging voice in the back of my head that says that two Smash Brothers titles will probably have some kind of connectivity somewhere somehow. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you if you've read, I don't know if, uh, if your viewers have read the interviews with uh, with uh, oh, I forget his name, um, the Satoru. What's his, what's his name? Developing Smash Brothers. Help me out here. <laughs> oh, the Project Sora guy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, they've said in interviews that they really don't even know what they're going to do with those games, but they haven't even begun development yet. And I believe they've even stated that if one game doesn't quite turn out as they hope it would, they may just cancel and then focus on the other. So I really don't know what Nintendo could do. I'm, I mean, I guess they could. In that mm. case, you could use it a could portable be... system to build up your own character, maybe then. You know, bring it onto the Wii U, kind of like they did with Mario Tennis on the Game Boy Color and the the GameCube. It'd be cool if they took the Photo Dojo route and uh, combined that concept with Smash Brothers, where you can make your own little character, not a freaking me, which is lame, <laughs> right? But actual a uh, Photo Dojo type character would be so cool to integrate into Smash Brothers. Yeah, I agree with that. So, what do you guys think is going to be? Is there going to be a defining characteristic, if you will, for gameplay, especially for titles that are released uh, multi-platform but have a version coming out for the Wii U as well? Is there something that the controller is going to allow specifically that we'll see a lot of, at least with the first-generation software? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the best thing about it is, I mean, obviously the screen built into there. And I'm really hoping developers will make use of it in ways that, that even the DS couldn't, um, because the DS primarily uses it as a auxiliary display for like your map or an inventory selection screen which streamlines it a bit but it's not that exciting i want to see developers use it as actually like a second vantage point within the same world so one idea i had for instance where if you're playing a zelda game um instead of having to actually manually control the the camera um on the tv itself you could have the the third person perspective as normal but uh, on the controller it could be from link's perspective like a first person view and in order to look around, you know, at the world or investigate like a puzzle close up, you would just merely, you know, move the cat, move the uh, controller around, and it would show you his vantage point on on the screen. So I, I think that's one possibility they could use it for. I think going along the Four Swords route, it would be really cool to, in a Mario game, go back to the old Super Mario Brothers two concept and have Subcon be on the, <laughs> the Wii U. Contro- uh, tablet screen so when you go in and out of subcon you're you're down on this controller screen versus up on the television or like how they did it with war swords where whenever you went into a house or fell into a hole or a cave you would go from looking at the tv in front of you to the game boy advance in your hands yeah that would be awesome especially if it had multiplayer support <laughs> or like with pokemon it could be cool if there is actually a world within your Pokeball, and while you have one Pokemon out there battling, you can bring one into your Pokeball that's on your little screen in front of you, and there's like little exercises and mini games that you can do real quick to power up your Pokemon before you send it back out there or something like that. That'd be kind of cool, too. I just want to see gameplay on both, but that's unique to each screen versus yeah. just an informational screen. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that's something I think even Nintendo's faltered with just the DS. So I'm not sure how they're going to even handle it with the the Wii U if they haven't even figured out you know, unique gameplay that requires two screens on their handheld, which they've had for, what, six years now. So, Yeah, I think the most compelling examples of it that I've seen on DS are actually Henry Hatsworth and Monster Tail. 
which are incidentally both from the same development team. Yeah, Henry Hatsworth was was great. That was that was brilliant. And uh, yeah, it's strange actually. Some of the best examples of the dual screen usage are aren't actually from Nintendo themselves. Yeah, <laughs> it's just <laughs> kind of silly, but <laughs> it's good to see that if these are the same people that'll be making games for us on 3DS and Wii U, that hopefully they'll continue to be as creative as they have been in the past, or at least inspire other people. Yeah, definitely. Now, all the examples you guys have cited so far, and all the little examples that I can think of, too, they seem kind of, at least on the surface, gimmicky. And I want to get your guys' feedback on this. Um, I'm actually doing a piece for Gamasutra right now where I'm interviewing Harmonix, and I was talking to him about um, him being one of the senior designers at Harmonix, sorry, about how this generation has seem, seems to have be the generation of gimmicks with plastic guitar controllers, and you have motion controls, and Facebook games are really starting to come up, and all this stuff everywhere. And I asked him, you know, so what do you say about these gimmicks? And he says basically gimmicks are just, they might be superficial and they might be silly and they might be kind of rudimentary at first, but they should be applauded because at least it's, it's attempts at trying to do something in a new and innovative way. I agree. You know, speaking of music games, I think the Vicarious Visions did a kick butt job in the Wii versions of Guitar Hero where somebody could hook up a DS and be like the the, the roadie or the sound crew, and actually fiddle around stuff with minigames on the touchscreen that would actually improve the person they were supporting or cause the uh, rival guitar player to uh, have his speakers blow out or, or whatever. And it was just really a cool concept. Then, like you're suggesting, I think we have to go through all of these throw ideas at the wall type of developments is going on, which is good because it's 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 revolutionary. It's not evolutionary. It's actually revolutionary. There's new ideas coming out. It's not something where we're fine-tuning stuff. People are actually trying really weird, random stuff here and there when they can get publishers to agree to spend money to make these games and get them out there. But this is great, and something, inevitably, many items hopefully will come from this experimental era of game development and become new mainstays, much in the way that Nintendo has trailblazed stuff such as uh, Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time really defining how 3D games are designed and best controlled and played. Well, you brought an interesting, traditional. You brought an interesting point there with the uh, getting budgets approved, and that's where we may run into problems with the Wii U, being as when it comes out, it presumably will be the most powerful system on the market. And we've already seen how game budgets have ballooned to such a you know huge degree that uh, it seems like you know, innovation has been stifled a little bit, at least on you know, uh, when when going for a next-gen gaming experience. And I wonder if that's going to impact the type of games they will make on the Wii U and will instead force developers to go with a more conventional route. Like even Ubisoft's, uh, you know, they had the huge after-hours uh, show at E3 where they, you know, unveiled several Wii U games. And one and their primary example is just a, a slightly, uh, you know, slight variation on, the, on a first-person shooter where instead of aiming at the TV now, you're aiming through the screen. Yeah, which that feels more evolutionary. <laughs> to go back to what I was just saying, it's a neat idea, but I'm not sure. I'm really like, oh dang it, that's my system seller right there. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just afraid that you know, there's all this talk recently about having online passes for used games or game rentals. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm kind of afraid that. It's, I don't know, it's kind of neat, but kind of scary that maybe um, if you're stuck in a game 
you can actually say for a dollar or two dollars or whatever it might be, you can download like some kind of like video strategy guide right to the Wii U controller screen. It'll give you tips on how to get through the area. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I, I'm slightly biased in this area. I think that would be really cool. <laughs> and you would um, be not... interested in being the sole content provider of such videos. <laughs> um yeah i I think that'd be that'd be really neat but um but that's also something you could do with your ipad or your smartphone right next to you so um i mean they could incorporate that a little bit more seamlessly um it wouldn't be any like great revolution though but it it would be neat um that would that would be a quick simple addition i would think that could work i can see companies trying to like nickel and dime us a little bit more that'd be a way of them possibly doing it yeah that part's not so neat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so noah did you have um any other questions that may or may not be related to our topic of conversation right now well given andre's extensive background with working in uh st- strategy in the world of gameplay strategy with as complex as games have become it, strategy and strategy guides is still a very important resource for gamers of all different skill sets and I have a feeling that we could get into a really good conversation about that with Andre, but <laughs> we didn't give him a lot of time to, <laughs> I mean, as, as inherent as in, as in his blood that strategy is, <laughs> I would hate to put him on the spot. I'm like, all right, I want your manifesto and your treatise now. <laughs> That's okay. I'll just type in a cheat code real quick and I'll, uh, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm sure there's a text file out there. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, that is definitely a topic that I would like to talk about with Andre in the future. And so listeners, I would like actually to encourage you to send in feedback on this episode of two different flavors. First of all, what is your stance on creative gameplay concepts for either Wii U or 3DS? Are there any ideas that we talked about or are there any games that you've soapboxed about in the past about like, I really, really want F-Zero to be on Wii U, and I want a touchscreen minigame for when my hovercraft is in the pit so I can have, like, a little pit crew game on my Wii U tablet. If there's something like that, uh, oh, wouldn't it be cool also if, like, in (laughs) Star Fox? (laughs) Like, if we actually supported... um, Oh, wait. Yeah, so, like, one person could be playing with a Wii remote and a nunchuck. I'm totally like can't even stay focused. <laughs> but like <laughs> one player, <laughs> imagine an R wing, okay? But it's designed like I don't know if you guys have watched uh, the computer animated Clone Wars series, but they have a design of I think is it the Y wing, where uh, Anakin is in the front piloting, and then uh, his Padawan is in a little bubble gun up on the roof. So wouldn't it be cool if there was like an R-Wing where <laughs> one person is playing on the television screen and controlling the R-Wing traditionally and flying everything and shooting like you normally would in a Starbucks game, and the other person is using the Wii U tablet and firing from the bubble gun. And when I say bubble gun, I mean that it's like it's a little glass bubble that's on the ship. <laughs> they can spin around <laughs> and shoot a gun. That's what I mean. I don't mean like they're shooting bubbles. <laughs> but it would be so cool, like all that you could do. You can't control where the ship's flying because your friend is the one that's flying the R-Wing but you could swivel your little bubble thing around and shoot. That would be so awesome. So, okay, so ideas like that, <laughs> if there are dreams, that's mine. Okay, that's my next one. <laughs> I think I've said three so far. Uh, feel free to tell us about that. And then also, 
for a future unnamed <laughs> episode of Airship Travelogues where Andre returns. Tell us any questions that you have for him for uh, the strategy guide business. Do you feel that the internet has ruined or enhanced getting strategy? Is it a lot better than ever has been? Or are you still a diehard man? If I can get the super cool hardcover strategy guide book in print, that's what I'm going to get. What are your thoughts on the whole strategy guide business? Do you, how relevant do you think it is? Do you think it's weird if you see a, a pro site actually still producing strategy guides in addition to other content where you're like, man, it's game FAQs is all that it is. Let us know. Put in your comments and thoughts and questions for that. And then that will fuel the next time that Andre's here, our, our expert on, the, on that whole strategy thing. I thrive on your questions. Yes. <laughs> he shall grow ever powerful. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, as long as they're making uh, Metal Gear Solid games, I want those strategy guides. Those things are just... <laughs> Like the Bible of gaming for me, all the artwork and everything. Those, oh man! Oh always... yeah, I need the artwork. I need the overhead maps. Man, I I was so disappointed when I got the first Super Mario Galaxy strategy guide. And I'm like, ooh, shiny cover, and there's like it's iridescent, and I'm like, and this is going to be awesome because 3D games need maps and platforming games that are have like multiple paths as Super Mario Galaxy did, depending on what star you're going to get to. That'd be so helpful. And the whole thing is like it's a fr- freaking written out. Strategy guide, it's whole words. There's wow. not even pictures. I'm like, what is this crap? I spent 20 bucks on this and it was sealed in plastic wrap, so I didn't know. So, yeah, <laughs> I've got a bone to pick with that strategy guide writer, who's not Andre in this case. <laughs> Let's make that clear. That wasn't me. <laughs> Your strategy guide would have been way better, I know. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I actually made one for it, so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> there so, you go. Mark, do you think that that's a wrap? Do you think that we're sufficiently wrapped up in a little quick episode here? I think I want to see Shadowgate for the Wii U. And I want a touchscreen instead of moving the cursor around with the NES D-pad. That game was badass. Did you guys ever play that? I, I love haven't... Shadowgate. Shadowgate, Deja Vu, any of yeah. those old school yes. adventure games, love them. I even played the N64 version, and I don't remember what was it called Whoa. before. <laughs> Towers, Shadow, what was it called? Andre, I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about, and I avoided it. <laughs> I, I think it was a Shadowgate 64. <laughs> it was, right. That's right. It was Shadowgate 64. Oh, and they were going to do another one for, um, was it Game Boy Advance or something, where they were going to do, like, four, yeah, whatever. Um, Yeah, it was a piece of shit, unfortunately. I bought it, and I played it, and I forced myself to like it for a little while. But then afterwards, I kind of like this bad taste in my mouth, and I felt kind of dirty, and I took a shower, and it's like, God, that game was <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's sufficient. What do you think, Andre? Are you sufficiently um, wrapped up? Uh, yeah, I just want to see uh, a new uh, Mario Kart Double Dash on uh, on Wii U with the with the controller allowing you to actually aim your weapons. So that's that's that really would be all pretty cool. Do. And then if you could fling it by the exactly. little swipe across the touchscreen like they showed in the demo, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Probably highly inaccurate and cause even more frustration, but still fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Actually, yeah, in the multiplayer mode, we were trying to shoot the people for the balloons, the balloon battle. Yeah, that worked. I would worked. love to just, like, fly around in, like, a little hovercraft or something and just be like, pew, 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 pew. That'd be awesome. Well, they actually basically had that, uh, yeah, that they had a demo like that at E3. Oh, yeah. that's true, the, the Metroid-style yeah. one, right? That's right. So, yeah, I, I hope that'll become a full game, if not uh, a mode of Mario Kart or something, so... 
or Wii U Play compilation. That's going to happen, I'm sure. <laughs> With an extra tablet controller thrown in for $100. <laughs> I want to take your um, Star Fox example, Noah, but I want to change it with one little wrinkle. Uh, the second player will still be in your ship, but instead of controlling a gun, he'll just say, do a barrel roll, and then the first player will have to do a barrel roll. Or what if, like, the second player, like, had to, like, spin the Wii U thing around to do a barrel roll, and you're, like, flying, and you're like, do a barrel roll, <laughs> telling them <laughs> to spin the controller, flip the controller around so that you guys can do a barrel roll. Oh, my gosh, that would cause rage <laughs> in <the broken laughs> controllers, I think. Or it would be cool if, like, you were the repair dude and, like, you were an uh, uh, you were slippy toed running around and like it's the great fox. Okay, I'm gonna stop you right there. Playing yeah, slippy toed at any point <laughs> not be a good thing. <laughs> okay, you could be Crystal if you're into furries. <laughs> so like your fox McCl- player one is Fox McCloud flying the great fox and it's all you know tricked out with cannons and everything. And then player two is the furry <laughs> oh, <God>. Crystal, <laughs> and she's. You're, you see her point of view as a person running around inside the Great Fox, and she has to run around and take care of repairs and make sure that the fuel's moved over so that you can get the fuel boost to the turbo, and that would be so awesome. That yeah, actually but, sounds like a really good idea. The only problem is if you're Crystal, which means obviously you're a girl, that means you would have to, like, sweep the floors and make sure the sandwiches are made. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is that kind of podcast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I just want my wife to listen, so I have to piss her off somehow. <laughs> That's great, listeners. Feel free to take uh, Mark to task for that <laughs> sexist comment. <laughs> and uh, but actually, as I as we used to say over on Channel Massive, what you can do is you can say whatever you want in an iTunes review of Airship Travel Logs, just make sure that you attach it to a five-star review. So put five stars down, <laughs> and then you can just say that Mark is a total jerk. <laughs> just make sure, it just, you know, yeah, five stars, whatever. And then you can just tell us really what you think, and, you know, we'd love that. <laughs> then Andre would help you. Andre, you should make a strategy guide for how people should give five-star reviews. Yes. Yes. Or I'd rather do the one where I tell people just how to call you an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm banned from Game Explain now, aren't I? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Andre, for joining us. No, thank you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And Mark, thank you, of course, for your expert organizational skills. Yeah, I'll have to find more blackmail, Andre, to make you come back a second time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do like um, Pooh Friend Roger Rabbit. I'll have someone play uh, Patty Cake with your girlfriend. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's great. All right, listeners, send us your feedback. We would love to hear from you, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with a brand new episode. And now for some quick credits. The music used in this podcast comes from Overclocked Remix, a not-for-profit website dedicated to the video game music remixing community. You can check the site out at www.ocremix.org. Here are the specific songs we use in the production of this show. Our introduction uses the remix Phoenix Symphonic, created by remixer Grey Lightning. The original track is The Airship, from Square's NES classic Final Fantasy IV. The original composer was Nobuo Oimatsu. Our transition features the remix Space Orchestral from remixer McVaffey, based on Kraid's Chamber from Nintendo's NES classic Metroid. The original composer was Hirokazu Tanaka. If you like these remixes, you can download more at www.ocremix.org and find many of the original game soundtracks for purchase at Amazon.com or iTunes. Additionally, many of the games mentioned are available for purchase on Wii or 3DS's virtual consoles or at retail stores.
Once again, thanks for listening to Airship Travelogs, a Nintendo Dojo podcast. Be sure to check out the site's original podcast, Dojo Shogo.